Welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast with me, your host, Eli Rubel, formerly Elias, but hey, names are hard. This is the show where we unpack and benchmark the methods and tactics used to reduce CAC by the most efficient and fastest growing companies in tech. Frequent listeners will know demand efficiency is a leading indicator and North Star metric for teams focused on reducing CAC. And in each episode, we'll evaluate how the best companies in the industry are driving down their cost to acquire while still achieving remarkable growth. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're going to focus on what is going to sound like a really basic, everybody will roll their eyes or ears as they're listening when I say this, but it's about customer focus. And this is a category you know, across our entire portfolio at Mattermade, all the engagements we've done. I think in general, most companies think and would self-assess and say they do a really good job with customer focus, with knowing their customer deeply. But very few of them have operationalized that knowledge and that connection across departments and leverage that into a strength, as well as the case that we have today. So the case company is Superhuman. As many of you know, Superhuman, this amazing email client that caught fire throughout Silicon Valley and beyond, initially real strong focus with the VC community and startups, and has since expanded beyond that. Their initial go-to-market revolved around a gated experience and a wait list, much like the Dropbox days or any of the other products that are famous for having put up a big wall and shown you how many people are in front of you type of a wait list. So customer focus, let's talk about it. Why is customer focus such an integral part of the demand efficiency framework and the demand efficiency score? The answer is that when we think about all of the surfaces out there across the buying journey, there are so many opportunities to delight, or to get things wrong. And more often than not, attention to detail across these surfaces becomes deprioritized. Not because people don't believe it's important, but just because there are other more obvious levers to pull. And it really isn't until you've optimized this entire buyer experience, the entire customer journey, that you begin to see the aggregate results, the aggregate lift in efficiency because you've created on the whole this delightful experience. And so today we're going to play some clips from, say, the head of marketing at Superhuman and understand, first off, how do they think about customer focus and its role in their marketing? And really what you'll hear from him is it's not just the role within the marketing org, it's the role within the entire company. They're not just this walled garden focused on driving growth. They really own and partner to create a delightful experience from first touch point to last touch point, retention and expansion. So we'll cut to that and you can listen in Say's own words, how they value, prioritize and operationalize customer focus within Superhuman. What were some of the kind of key pieces of the survey that stood out to you, like the topics where you think you guys are just exemplary? The things we do particularly well, and we've always done this well, it's really part of the company's DNA, is the focus on the customer and keeping the customer at the center of everything we do from a marketing perspective, but more so from a product perspective, a sales perspective, a customer support, and a delight perspective. I think we've built one of the most well-known 
word of mouth slash viral engines over the past four or five years. Superhuman is well known for how it began. It began as an invite-only email application. It really spread within the technology community. Our early cohorts were engineers, were founders, were CEOs, folks who really struggled to manage their email. And that word of mouth has largely carried us to where we are today. It still remains one of our most active and I think our largest growth engine to date. That doesn't mean we're not experimenting with new engines. It does mean that that has kind of shaped how we've built our marketing team and where we focus. We still continue to prioritize word of mouth and creating that customer delight, which really in turn helps us get more and more customers. And the last is really thinking about messaging. Superhuman is a little unique in that our ICP is almost always our end buyer. We're different than other software tools in that an IT leader rarely comes in, buys Superhuman for the entire team and doesn't use it. Our buyers are almost always users. That's beneficial because people know firsthand the value of Superhuman and what they get from three additional hours per week because they can be more efficient with their email, because they're less anxious when they open their inbox, and because they can focus on the work that really matters to them. That really comes to play as we start to look into expanding beyond PLG into our sales motion, right? And selling larger teams and larger groups of users. We benefit from having quite a few folks using Superhuman, not just at IC levels of organizations, but at senior leadership levels of organizations. And that means it's easier for our sales teams to have conversations around value and ROI because the folks that are buying are also the folks that are using Superhuman. So those are the things I think that stood out as things that has really helped us get to where we are today. So I'd love to dig into this customer focus because I think that most, if not all companies would say or love to say we're super customer focused, but not all companies can say that that is their primary growth driver and that they're exceptional at it. It might be an aspiration, it might be a value, it might be something we're working on. So I'm curious, what tactical steps have you taken to operationalize customer focus within your marketing and growth team? So one of the things that I think we do, and this is less of a marketing tactic, and this is more something that's fundamental to our DNA, but we bring into marketing, and it's not rocket science, it's just talking to customers. It's the fact that unlike many other SaaS solutions, For a long time, Superhuman did one-to-one human onboarding. We still do concierge onboarding with customers. And so that means that every single customer up until very recently spoke to a human at Superhuman when they were onboarding. They spoke about their email habits. They spoke about their preferences. They spoke about things they want to change. And so we've built an amazing set of understanding or amazing amount of understanding about that customer because we've seen thousands and thousands of people using email. And we've seen how people within sales use email. We see how customer success uses it, how recruiting uses it, how engineering uses it, how C-suite and executive leadership and founders use it. And that all goes into how we build our product. It's really understanding not really just what we're building, but why we build it and how we build it. Email's been around forever. And so the how is so important. How we delight customers, how we build features, How we surface growth in viral loops within Superhuman is really, really important. And I think that all comes down to how a customer is actually using the product and making it feel natural, making it feel expected, making it feel delightful, as opposed to forcing customers through viral groups because it might have worked for another organization or another company in SaaS or because it's a quote-unquote best practice. We want to make sure that everything is rooted in this idea of we exist to make customers feel happier, more productive closer to feeling that they're achieving what they want to achieve. That means really understanding what they do day in and day out. 
and being careful about exactly how we surface those growth motions or those expansion motions that most marketing teams rely on. Describe to me then how you're having all these conversations. How do you institutionalize those learnings at scale such that there's clear communication, collaboration between these learnings and product team, these learnings and sales team, or if sales is originating these learnings, marketing as well? One of the unique things about Superhuman is that unlike other traditional SaaS companies, marketing is not siloed to just focusing on customer acquisition. We have accountability across the entire customer lifecycle. So that includes what customers see on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, all the way through to what customers see in the application, what customers see at retention, what customers see at renewal and expansion. That doesn't mean we own the funnel. We work very closely with our product teams around growth. We work super closely with sales. But what it means is that we need to make sure that our messaging, our positioning is very consistent across this entire journey. We don't want customers to feel like they're being handed from marketing to then to product, then to growth, then to sales, then to customer support, and that they're kind of being strung along five separate experiences. We want them to feel like it's one unified experience with one unified set of benefits and one unified team working behind the scenes. So that means our learnings are always spread across all the different teams involved. It means that marketing is involved at the beginning of the funnel. We are involved at the renewal step. We are involved at adoption. We're involved potentially when a customer is thinking about churning or downgrading because we have that accountability to make sure it feels like a consistent experience. And so it's really something we've done internally at the organization to make sure that learnings aren't siloed within the product team or siloed within the sales team. And more importantly, that learnings are shared with all groups because we collectively own delivering a world-class experience to our customers. One of our values is really this concept of ownership. And we make sure that teams feel empowered to make improvements, to make changes, and that just because they're in marketing, it doesn't mean they only have to focus on marketing things. They can expand and really bring a great experience to a customer in what traditionally might be a product surface or a sales surface or a delight surface because it's the right thing to do for the customer. Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, Also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, Somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is $2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. And so how tactically do you institutionalize the sharing of these learnings? If you're across all of those surfaces and you're having these insights, are you using tools? Do you have standing meetings? What's the DNA that keeps that all together. Yeah, so Superhuman, when COVID happened, we adjusted very quickly. And we almost, I don't want to say overnight, but we went from a very in-person traditional culture to very much a remote first culture. And one of the things that we do within our organization is we rely a lot on written words. We're a very written culture. And so for customer conversations, for project conversations, there's almost always a really detailed spec doc There might be a Notion page. 
there's a dedicated Slack channel, and there's this concept of transparency, not just in that we don't hold data to ourselves, but in that we make sure that folks outside the initial team or outside that specific group of people have access and visibility to that conversation, right? Obviously, as an email company, there's a culture of emailing, right? We make sure that project specs, that updates, that metrics are communicated out and across, but we also make sure that we're pulling in people so folks have access to that information, even if they're maybe not part of the product kickoff. That's something unique that we've done within the organization to make sure that we have symmetric information across all the different groups. Superhuman's not huge, but at our size and scale, we still need to actively ensure that people have the right information in front of them at the right time. And so we rely on tools like Notion, like Superhuman, to make sure that that information is always within arm's reach of all of our different teams. So Notion is your central brain for this text-heavy, text-rich environment, sounds like, in addition to Superhuman? It's one of the tools we use. It's our wiki, and it's how we kind of handle a lot of our internal processes, but it's not the main source of communication. The main way we communicate, unsurprisingly, is through Superhuman. And so we do a ton of updates through email, but we also rely on tools like Slack for more synchronous conversation or more project-related conversation where people can pop in and out of channels, we can post asynchronous updates, people can read them and consume them at kind of their own free will. We have a large group of other tools that are really team-specific. Some teams really like doing voice recordings, and so they create voice recordings. Other teams really enjoy doing looms, Dropbox captures, and they enjoy doing those. But we try and make sure that for every project, for every spec, that things are written down. And obviously, we write a ton in Google Docs, and so... Those are really designed to make sure that people can comment, they can collaborate, they can ask questions, and that visibility is always there as long as they can get to that spec doc. Superhuman is obviously more on the consumer side of B2B-ish software, much more consumery. Why do you think so many more traditional B2B companies get customer focus wrong, fall short on delivering the same level of customer experience throughout the entire journey? Let me take a step back and I think while Superhuman, when it originally started, was this individual tool, I don't think we ever had an aspiration to be the personal email tool of choice for folks. We really want to be the professional email tool for people that live in their inboxes, right? And so if you're not spending a lot of time in your inbox, Superhuman may not be the choice for you. And that's okay. But I think the reason that a lot of B2B companies get this wrong is that Superhuman was forced by nature to focus on the end user. We didn't have the luxury of focusing on a buyer or an IT administrator or some of the other personas that larger B2B companies have the ability to focus on. We had to focus on the end user and we had to make sure we were delivering significant value to that end user. And so the bar for these types of tools is really, really high when you think about churn on individual software tools. And Superhuman has one of the best metrics for retention that I think any B2B tool has, we're up there with the companies like Netflix, like Spotify, because the people that adopt and use Superhuman, it becomes such an integral part of their day-to-day work. And it becomes difficult to be as productive without Superhuman. And so this focus on that end user that I talked about a little bit earlier is, I think, why we've been able to get it right. Because ultimately, we need to convince individuals that paying $30 a month for email is the right decision. And that's a big mental barrier for many people who've never actually had to pay for email before. It's always been something that's been free. You guys have developed a strong motion around expansion. Obviously, you have a strong focus, as we just discussed, on the customer and really understanding them and their needs as an individual end user. So 
How then have you built growth mechanisms to focus on expansion within larger organizations? I think one of the things that we start with when we think about expansion is this notion of value. And that without delivering value to these individual customers, expansion is really not possible. And so one of the things we really focus on is how are the users within a larger organization using Superhuman? Not just how many times they log in or how many times they send an email, but how many times are they hitting inbox zero? How many times are they using splits or snippets or other functionality that we built into the product? And we know that by looking at these types of behaviors, that correlates to adoption, that correlates to time savings, faster response times for emails, which are the metrics that people usually look at when evaluating a tool like Superhuman. And so by focusing on those metrics at the individual user level, we're able to tell a much stronger story when it comes to having an expansion or a growth conversation with the decision maker at a larger company. Why? Because we can clearly demonstrate the teams that are using Superhuman are able to get through their email faster. They're able to be more responsive. They're able to take that time savings and reinvest it into the business. And you can compare and contrast that against the other teams that aren't using Superhuman. And so it creates this very natural conversation for expansion that doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like it's triggered by a selling motion. It more so feels like a natural evolution of users getting value out of a product that they're using day in and day out. So say I always like to ask at the end of each of these episodes, who are some other marketing or growth leaders who you think are even emerging and doing really fantastic work in their space? Yeah, so I think there are a few that come to mind. I think one is a guy named James Winter. And James and I met actually through an interview loop when he was at a former company. And one of the things that really surprised me was how in touch James is with all of the different components of how marketing works. He's not just a demand gen guy. He's not just a product marketing person. He actually has the ability to get deep in different areas and bring that expertise to bear on whatever project he's working on. And so there's rarely a topic I've found in marketing that James doesn't A, understand, but more so B, have a really solid network in and have four or five examples of how it's been successful. I think the other individual that comes to mind is George Bayer. And George is currently at Dropbox. He works on the HelloSign product. He leads their product marketing team. And I think one of the things that struck me about George is just how deeply he thinks about the customer use cases and how he thinks beyond his product. He's built a pretty amazing team. He's had a hand in building almost every experience at Dropbox. He's one of the most tenured PMMs on that team. And I think that level of thought, that level of depth, is something that I don't often see in marketers. And that really is something that you expect kind of in seasoned product managers and George's ability to kind of flex the product thinking skills at the same time while flexing the marketing skills, I think makes him a particularly unique asset to Dropbox. They're lucky to have someone like him. Fantastic, say. Well, thank you so much for chatting through this with me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. I think our listeners have a lot to unpack and take away. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So if we replay what we've just heard and kind of summarize, Superhuman has done an amazing job of bringing this consumer level obsession with customer focus, creating delightful touch points throughout the buyer journey. but as we discussed, a lot of B2B companies get this wrong or deprioritize it. And so if you're listening to this saying, well, hey, that's great, but we're not a product-led motion, we're not a product-led company, or we're not as much of a consumer-ish looking tool, we're a traditional sales-led B2B piece of software or platform, how is this relevant to us? Well, obviously, you know, it should be pretty obvious at this point or at any point why customer focus is important, but Asking yourself the question, how can we operationalize this for our motion? That's a productive question. 
And this is something that we've seen and rolled out across a variety of our portfolio. You think about companies like Product Board, like Loom, fill in the blank, right? They're not all incredibly B2C-esque companies like Superhuman, but they all benefit from and reap the reward from investing in delightful experiences across their customer journey. I think the first piece here, and you heard Say talk about this, it's making sure that you have operationalized these touch points and the knowledge sharing between groups, making sure that you're really taking the time to talk to customers. In a more sales-led environment, a lot of the time, BDRs, SDRs, AEs, these are the folks who are spending a lot of time talking to customers, or prospects rather. Thankfully, we have tools out there like Chorus, et cetera, where these conversations are recorded. So marketers can be in the room without actually being in the room. And frankly, marketers can be in the room as well just by inserting themselves into that process and being a fly on the wall. But whatever the process is for collecting that feedback, for really understanding the customer, understanding the prospect, and understanding their world, inserting that understanding into all these touch points and finding small ways to reduce friction and create delight through each of those surfaces from first impression all the way through to being a customer, being retained as a customer. These are opportunities regardless of your selling motion. And so if you're thinking through, how do I reduce costs to acquire? This is a great place to start if you haven't already been focused on this or you've never really audited your buyer journey and taken these customer insights and systematically introduced them as levers throughout that journey to, again, reduce friction increase conversion rates, and all the other benefits that infusing a customer understanding and delight throughout will bring. So I hope today's case was helpful for you with Superhuman, hopefully some actionable insights there or ideas spinning in your head. Again, we'll be back every week with a new case featuring a company that has done an exceptional job of one particular piece within the demand efficiency framework so that you can go and troubleshoot and find new and novel ways to systematically reduce costs to acquire and increase efficiency in your demand programs. Take care. As always, if you're interested to see how today's company scored on the Demand Efficiency Index, or for that matter, to see all of the companies in the Demand Efficiency Index, by industry, selling motion, and size, you can join our free Slack community. Uh, there you will be able to interact with every guest who's been on the show, and even take the evaluation yourself and see how your company stacks up against prior guests. To join the Slack community, head over to mattermade.co forward slash pod, where you'll see all of the relevant links to join. Again, that's mattermade.co forward slash pod.